Hello everybody and welcome back to the Awesome Boom podcast. Thank you so much for once again tuning in this week and this is the first podcast actually of 2019. I will have to take this opportunity to apologise for being quite so uh, lazy in the first quarter of 2019. I have been, um, how can I describe it, productive, fairly productive in uh, self-development and other business projects that I've been involved with so uh, the podcast sadly had to take a little bit of a back seat. Um, but we are back in full flow and this week we are continuing our conversation. I think this is our second conversation with Mr. Pen Chan, the uh, infamous edible man. His last podcast we did actually was the most listened to podcast I've ever done and um, by over double the amount of numbers. Um, so you guys clearly are extremely fond of Mr. Pen Chan and uh, why not? I can, I can totally understand he is a charming, charming fellow. Before we kick off this uh, podcast, I just want to uh, do a shout out to our sponsors, Canico. Canico is a leading UK CBD brand. Um, they provide everything from your premium CBD flowers to tinctures to gel caps to balms. Um, so everything you might need um, to help you relax, help you sleep, help you with your anxiety and all that sort of jazz. Also, um, I want to give another shout out to uh, Product Earth. Product Earth is returning this year um, after sadly being cancelled last year so this is really really exciting and um, we're actually going to be interviewing uh, the guy behind it James Walton who uh, who's been running uh, Product Earth for the last I think it's four years he's probably going to shout at me now maybe it's been five I think it's been four years so yeah we've got a podcast with him soon he's going to be talking about uh, Product Earth Product Earth is the largest pro cannabis expo um, kind of event in the UK so that's going to be happening later on this year uh, I can't remember the dates off the top of my head uh, again he, James is going to shout to me about that but I think it's towards the end of August um, but I'll confirm all that and jazz anyway so I'm rattling on as I always do so I'll stop and um, let's get straight into this podcast with Mr. Pencher mm -hmm. <coughs> um, <coughs> so I, <just> need to <coughs> I do like that jumper though hmm no. You got the fucking t-shirt as well. Yeah. Man. Very cool. Unicorn. I looked on I looked on their website but um I don't think I could find that one. Hokkasai. Look up Hokkasai on the range. Yeah. Hokkasai blue it is. Yeah. I like I like the artist. I'm familiar mm. with the artist. Mm. It's pretty good. Right then, I think we should start Mr. Pen Chan. Cool. Yeah? You yeah. happy? You I'm ready? <coughs> I am. Sorry fun. Clear our votes. <coughs> I'm a little bit a <laughs> little bit phlegmy today, so I apologise if, oh. if I do a Bob Flem and then have to have a little cough up yeah, halfway yeah. through. Thanks for the extra detail there, mate. <laughs> I'm a little bit phlegmy here no. today. Sorry if I'm yakking up like an old goat. And there's there that character, wasn't there, on the fire show, Bob Fleming. He's he's trying to uh, do an interview and every five minutes he's going, <coughs> excuse me, he never quite finishes a sentence. So I just don't want to be like that. <laughs> right, well, listen... Um, Big welcome back to the Awesome Boo podcast, my friend. This is actually my first one of 2019, so you're the first, you're the first official guest because awesome. I've had, I've had um, popping your cherry, yeah, popping my cherry. I've had uh, about eight weeks, eight weeks off, um, which has been um, quite nice. But uh, we've got lots of guests lined up for this year. So uh, thank you for coming again. As Pleasure. always, very very excited. As are all the listeners, extremely excited about this conversation we're about to have. So. Where should we kick off? What should uh, we talk about? What should we talk about? What should we talk about? What should we talk about? Flat Earth? 
<laughs> Actually, let's just let you in on our conversation exactly where we were. So, we're having a little talk about the flat earth theory and whether or not we believed it. We both find it absolutely fascinating, but um, there was a theory that uh, Awesome was just discussing with me. So, if the world is spinning and you take off in a helicopter and you, you hover in your helicopter for, say, an hour, when you come down to land, if the earth is supposedly spinning, you should have landed in a different location. But we were just sort of questioning the fact of whether or not that actually translate, which translates to the real world. But, you know, we, we don't know enough sort of science and no, I, I time no and space idea. stuff. But, we just, you know, again, that's, that, that's kind of where we were anyway. That, that's where we were before we pressed record. Um, so, yeah, the, 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 the craziness of the flat earth. <laughs> Yeah, fascinating as we said, but you know, we're not, we're, neither of us are sort of anywhere near qualified enough to talk about that in any sort of depth. We just find it interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's very interesting. So, how's your, how's your week been? Has it been good or year so far? Has yeah, it been year's been good. Um, lots of change. Uh, progressing the business, sorting my head out. Um, my my mental health has been a lot better since I quit my day job in hairdressing. Um, rest of my life slowly falling into place around that. Uh, because that's uh, made me much happier in my head, and that's yeah, basically just uh, reflects on every other part of my life. I'm now doing something which I really enjoy for a living, um, and yeah, it's 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 just been very good, good year so far, good start. I'll put it that way. Yeah, I mean that's 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 positive, and I completely agree with you. So I mean, I think I've sort of said to you for a while now, haven't I? Sort of trying to encourage you to sort of quit the day job. Yep. Uh, just because. You it wasn't serving me, man. No, and I think you know, for a lot of people, <clears throat> that is um, that's a very common a common thing, and I think it's important because obviously you know we spend so much time in our jobs, and if you are dissatisfied, you know you're not in harmony with it, then it's just I think long term it's just going to take you down, isn't it? No, I agree. I think uh, it's been a move that I've wanted to make for over sort of ten years, and I hadn't realised how much dealing with the public on uh, such a fast turnaround. On a, on a sort of day-to-day level was really sort of affecting um, my whole outlook, my mental health and everything like that because I think I'm a, I'm a little bit um, empathetic and I tend to take on other people's problems a little bit too much. <clears throat> and uh, as a hairdresser, which was uh, my old day job, uh, people tend to come in and dump and they use you as a little bit of a, of a psychologist and they throw all of their shit off their back and, and give it to you. Is and it- it's hard. It's hard. It's hard being able to put enough of a barrier up so that you deflect that and you can, you know, give yourself a little bit of headspace and a little bit of time between clients to sort of wipe the slate clean and kind of go again. But I think <clears throat> when people are dumping heavy stuff on you, uh, there are residuals of that that kind of hang around, even though you try not to take it on. I think because I'm quite empathetic, it kind of attaches itself to me a little bit. It's the old adage of, you know, it's a monkey off their back and straight onto yours. Yeah, I think that's that's a good point uh, because obviously, as you know, my wife is a hairdresser as well, and um, I think that's something that she, I think she can struggle with it at times because, you know, like you, you know, I describe as an empath, and she certainly takes on everybody's energies, yeah. and it tends to bitch her at times mm. and completely drain her because she she hasn't learned to protect her energy yeah. yet. And it is it's funny because I mean, you know, before before you know, being married to a hairdresser. I had I had absolutely no idea how sort of stressful it was. Um, you know, in my mind's eye, I was just like, well, "You just cut hair. I mean, surely it can't be that stressful." I mean, but that's what everybody thinks, you know, because because people come in, they waft in, you know, you're really nice to them, you make them look better, you make them feel better, you alleviate some of their stress, you make them look and feel much much better. You know, it's sort of it's 
it's 60% psychology and 40% physical hairdressing with what you actually do. There's a hell of a lot of psychology involved in interaction with people, especially when it comes to um, sort of therapeutic areas, whether it be hair or, or health, really. Um, and I think because I do give a shit, um, even though as much as I didn't want to take other people's stuff on, you know, like I say, I think you really have to put in um, some protection or maybe a few boundaries so that you're, you're not really taking on everybody else's problem. I think you know. I, th I think we could all learn a little bit from from that. You know, there are people who who really are Teflon, and everything just bounces off them. But I've never really been one of those people, so I'm learning to become a little bit more Teflon and and actually protect myself a little bit more. Yeah, but then to be honest, I mean, people might appear to be Teflon coated, but actually, you don't really know what's going on privately inside their mind. I mean, absolutely. You know that. I mean, I think I'm a prime classic example of that. Actually, where you know, for a long time, people always look at me and go, "Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah." You got your shit together, dude. But actually, you know, deep down, I was an alcoholic suffering from anxiety, depression, and you know, just a very good actor of putting on that smiley face. Yeah, everything's fine. Don't worry about me. But but th this is the thing you have to do when you're public facing and you work with clients. So it wouldn't matter if you know um, my partner had died that day. They have absolutely no sympathy for how you're feeling yourself. The work, you know, the the, the employers or the or the clients themselves, because all they all they're interested in. For their own selfish reasons, understandably, because they're paying their money to, um, you know, have their hair done and look and feel better, um, <clears throat> they're not really interested in what's going on with you. And I find I found that part of it was really quite difficult. You know, I always had to be, always had to be on form, always had to be in a good mood, always had to be happy. When you know there are days when you don't feel like that, and it's, it's different when you're in other jobs. You don't have to project that happy la di da di da. You know, it's almost like being an actor. When you when you go and when you go and take on a role like that, a role, literally a role, mm. because you know you you give a little bit of yourself, but it's never really you. You know, one of my friends uh, who's also in the industry and, and does a bit of acting said to me, you know, man, when when you walk out that door and you're with your clients, you're on stage, so you just you just you turn into your version of you that you're acting while you're doing your day job, because you know it's not you when you when you leave there, you you jump out of that skin again and you turn back into yourself. But like you know, there's there's always this thing where you have to you have to always be happy, not really show any emotion. You know, you can't you you just can't have a bad day. And I think emotionally for me that was really quite uh, really quite challenging for a long period of time. But I don't have to do it anymore now, so it's all good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm just glad that you uh you you're able to sort of find the courage to uh to make that move because I know it's you know it's it's a it's a difficult it's a difficult move you know moving out of your comfort zone and you know giving up something that you, you've known and you, you you've done for a long period of time I, it hadn't been my comfort zone for a hell of a long period of time in fact it was very uncomfortable for for probably a good 10 years i'd say yeah but yeah no it's 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 it's, it's, it's brilliant not being in that environment anymore and not dealing with the the staff and the clients i, I feel liberated and I'm just so much happier to say my head is just so much clearer yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I I completely hear you on that, and I think yeah, I I um, it's it's very it's very important, you know. We've obviously had lots of discussions of mental health and keeping your brain and mind happy is uh is just is so 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 important because you know if you're not happy inside your head, you know, yeah, that's, that's yeah, that's the reality that you'll ultimately create for yourself. Well, what I think has been brilliant um, in the last year or two is uh, the fact that people are actually talking about mental health a lot more. This is really important. Um, and uh, even when I was at the cinema the other day, there was a, an advert and it was something about, you know, be a great mate or, or be that mate. So 
like as I always uh, put on my posts on social media, you know, if you if you have one of those friends who you know struggles a little bit or is a little bit down, you know, give them a call, get them out for a coffee, take them for a walk around the park or whatever, and just just get them out of their environment and just check on them and make sure they're okay. Yeah, I I, I agree with you, and this is something that um, I've certainly been a lot more conscious of recently. And um, as you know, I've sort of even sort of put shout outs there, you know, for anybody who does want to talk about mental health issues, just to sort of give me a call and actually. I've spoken to dozens and dozens and dozens of people now, you know, on the phone or over, yeah. you know, webcam or something. And uh, I think it's really important to to help look after your fellow fellow man, or yeah. human being, because it's, um, you know, I think that's, that's that's such an important part of society. And you know, we all struggle with mental health issues, and um, there's nothing, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing to be embarrassed about. And I think. You know, the more of us who talk about it, because I promise, you know, I promise everybody that everybody struggles. Yeah, absolutely. Everybody struggles. Everybody mm. I talk to, mm. doesn't matter where you're from, what sort of life you have, education level, how much money you've got in the bank. You know, we're all exactly the same. Yeah. We, all, we all struggle with mental health. Yeah. And um, I think the sooner we start to really open up that dialogue and talk about it a lot more and normalize it. So it's not such a sort of taboo subject. Yeah, I agree. Um then I think, you know, it's, it's a win-win for society because at the moment, you know, as, as I've always said in my podcast, you know, society, I think, is in a mess. You know, there's a lot of people who are, you know, very, very unhappy, very, very low, very, very anxious, very depressed. Um, and I, I, find that, I find that very sad because, mainly because, you know, I've been there. I've been there and I've experienced okay. it. And, um, you know, as you have, and, you know, it's through sort of exploring mental health and, you know, plant medicines that mm. have sort of really helped unlock all of my all of my sort of past crap. I, I agree. I think um, again, uh, without sounding um, like too much of a you know an adv- an advocate for e- either section, I I I, um, I I you know I'm a huge supporter of uh, of everything to do with women's rights and stuff like that. Um, but also uh, something we really need to think about is the male suicide rate in the UK, which has been absolutely ridiculous for the last sort of 20 years. Um, I think for a lot of guys, um, we, know, we, don't, we don't get a lot of support. You know, we are the sort of the pillar or the tower of strength within our families or within our, within our social networks. You know, um, the kids rely on, on, on the man the wife relies on on the man to a point. Again, this is going to sound a little bit, a little bit dodgy, but from from a, from a lot of guys' ways of thinking, this is how they feel, and they feel that they don't have a lot of support, and they don't actually have anyone to rely on themselves. Which is why there are so many so many men ending their lives early. But I mean, you know, but that's right though, because there there is um, there's actually very little support, you know, for for men, you know, and especially you know, especially if you're a single man. Mm. And you've got mental health issues yeah. and you, you're unable to work maybe yeah. you know there is you know society doesn't d- doesn't look after you they're not you know you're not going to get get a free house and no, I agree. you know all of this sort of stuff no, there, there was something i saw the other day where there was a guy who was obviously struggling with with mental health issues and he was saying it was easier to get a pint and a gram of coke than it was to get uh help with his mental health condition i think that's just shocking i agree i was talking i had a young guy uh, message me the other day early 20s um history history of mental health issues a complex mental health issues and um every single time he went to the doctors they were just they, all they wanted to do is just give him pills 
and you know these pills would actually exacerbate the yeah. suicidal thoughts. Yeah, I've and been, I've, 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 yeah, I've, I've had a go at all that stuff. It's like and you're just like, seriously, what on earth are we doing in society where someone is actually coming to you in an office? You're giving them 15 bloody minutes of your time, you know, and these people. Right on the script. Yeah, these people, are, these people need love and support and attention, and it's just like, you know what, mate? Here's some pills. Go back to your reality and come back in six weeks' time, and we'll see how you get on. And what you see is that obviously the pills don't work. Like the verb said, drugs don't work yeah. in this sort of sense. Not these sort of pills, because ultimately all it's doing is switching on the receptors yep. and just suppressing, I yeah, would yeah. argue, the emotions and why you are feeling like the way you do. Where you, you know, the only way to heal is to explore the feelings and to and is to heal. Like I've learned, you know, through the ayahuasca and all of that sort of jazz. And you know, this is a this is the crazy thing is with modern medicine is that you know we we think to cure or to fix it is to switch off. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the feelings, response, yeah. the response, mm. you know, the symptom. Yep. Instead of looking at, you know, the cause, you know, I worked out that the reason why I was an alcoholic, the reason why I was drawn to drinking every single day was because I'd wake up and my mind would just be full of this toxic soup of noise and emotion and self-doubt and yeah. loathing and fear. And I was self-medicating of alcohol just to try and switch off that, all that noise in my head um, to allow me to sort of function so to speak a normal life in you know in my world and it was only when I recognized that I was drinking because of childhood traumas and all this sort of jazz fix that fix that yeah. crap um amazingly yeah amazing Brilliant. you know I mean to, to to now where you know it's five months down the line no booze which I, I generally can't believe that I'm a non-drinker now. You just look—you you look like a different person now, though, man. So you, but, you carry a lot less worry I, and stress. Yeah, I, 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 but this is it. You know, I say to people, and I think I think people in my family get a little bit bored when I go. I don't think you understand when I say I feel like a completely different person. They sort of look at me, going, "Really, really?" I mean, you, yeah, you look—you look really, really well, and you're full of energy and all this sort of jazz. But they—they they don't understand just the, 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 you know, how my mind was. It's freeing. It's completely free. You know, I find myself now sat at home. You know, in the evenings or just during the day and it's like ah oh, I should probably think about something I what, what should I think about and I can choose to think about things instead of my mind just being yeah, full yeah, yeah full of this craziness um and it's just the most it's the most beautiful freeing experience and it just allows you to be a lot more present yeah and um, so just just touching on um on the uh the sort of plant and fungal based medicines um when we did the last podcast um I was talking about uh beginning to um microdose and experiment with uh with psilocybin cubensis mushrooms so we're now when did we do the last podcast was it November I can't remember I was, hoping it was, was it November. was it when I got back from Italy yes was it before yes no it was it was after because I yes. we were talking about how how interesting it was that you you know you, you quit the drink this time around <coughs> after your last ceremony yeah I think it was yeah so it'd have been November okay so <clears throat> Three months down the line, um, I've been uh, taking uh, a microdose of cubensis mushrooms, somewhere between uh, 50 milligrams and 200 milligrams, depending on, on how I felt on the day, really, and what I was doing, and how much sort of kind of brain power I needed, um, and what the weather was doing, because that's a big, a big one for me, because of my SAD. And um, it's been brilliant, um, considering the amount of stress and change and stuff that I've been going through, it's been much better for me. I've not really um, fallen into the pit of depression. I've been a lot more bubbly. Uh, I think everyone's noticed that I've, I've been a lot better. 
Wow. Oh, a lot more, a lot more chilled out. Not so. Yeah, not a, lo- so a lot more chilled out. Yeah. No, not necessarily <laughs> snappy. It's not snappy. It's just I have more. It's more dark moods for me, and I don't. I, I go the opposite where I don't really talk much, and mm. I kind of withdraw a little mm. bit. Um, but from from that perspective, you know, my, my head's been a lot better. I think it's a combination of things, as I was saying. You know, with with kind of quitting the day job and removing a lot of that stress and tension from my life. Um, but yeah, I can uh, I can definitely recommend that uh, if people need a little brain boost or if they want to uh, enhance their their brain their brain function um, I think a small dose of cubensis is, is is very very good for you and what was your what was your regime with that how often would you be doing that a week so I would do normally I do five days on two days off to wipe the wipe the receptors clean oh just to touch on um, another thing as well which I found quite interesting through messing around with the uh, other mushrooms and um and vitamin d so i've discovered that if um if i took the larger dose of the uh, cubensis like nearer the 200 milligrams it it if it, it messes me up a little bit and i do get visual distortion but i discovered um if i take lines uh, 200 milligrams of uh, lion's mane as well as uh, some some vitamin d5 um, for some reason, the D5 seems to take away uh, a lot of the visual disturbance for me, and I just get much more clarity. Mm. So I don't know if it's to do with the whole thing of the serotonin, vitamin D, and psilocybin uh, conjunction, because the, the psilocybin uh, replaces um, the uh, serotonin in the brain, which is why it works so well for depression. So I'm wondering if maybe combining that with the vitamin D kind of all works in unison and 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 it, it kind of supercharges it a little bit well i mean it would it would make sense wouldn't it yeah because obviously it, vitamin d is yeah, really exa- important yeah, for me because that creates yeah because vitamin d helps with the creation of serotonin etc mood yeah. and, and 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 all of that and and general feel good stuff but it, what i found as just going back to what i was saying i'm waffling a bit the interesting interaction was the fact that if i i could take a higher dose if i took it with a vitamin d supplement and it, i wouldn't really get any visual disturbance or, uh, or or any of the you know the sort of things associated with with a tripping mushroom experience. Mm. That's interesting. I think um, I think there's a there's a lot to be said for uh, interesting sort of stacks um, mm. with these sort of compounds. Oh, I've uh, I tried all sorts actually. Um, so I up the I up the lion's mane to um, ten grams one day just to see what would happen. You took ten grams of lion's mane in yeah. a day. Yeah, oh, if in so, a in a milkshake in the morning, what happens? <laughs> Not a lot. <laughs> I was just I was just seeing if if you know, that's about ten times the daily dose, people. For those who don't, oh yeah, it's, it's more than that. Yeah, it is it's most about no, it's more than that. It's much more than that. So it it, it was just to see what it did, um, and it's uh, I read something that had an interaction with milk. You know, you should you should take it with milk or something. So you I, should I, take it with milk. Yeah, apparently. I think that was the one. Oh, I can't. I can't. I can't, I can't don't ask me. I can't remember. It was. It was all interesting at the time, and I thought I'll just. I'll just try upping the dose. Obviously, I wasn't going to go taking sort of ten grams of cubensis to match it. But but no, it was just interesting. I wanted to see if it if because I was playing with this interaction with the lion's mane and the vitamin D, I was trying to figure out what it was that was creating the interesting interaction and stopping the visuals. And it's definitely the definitely the vitamin D. Yeah, that is interesting. We'll have to um, we'll have to speak to our man in the know, maybe Mister Mister Eggs. Maybe oh. he'll be able to explain it. I don't know if would he know about that. 
I, it, oh, it, no, he, he has it, vast I, I, knowledge yeah. of all sorts, doesn't he? I, 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised. Interesting. I wouldn't be surprised. I'm, I'm pretty sure it must be to do with the vitamin D, serotonin and psilocybin conjunction. Because I know that, I mean, I, I don't know if there's any... I mean, you've obviously, because like, I know like if you mix like the le- fresh lemon juice. Yeah, you said this. Yeah, lemon tech. So what it does, it helps it helps break down the psilocybin into psilocin quicker. So you get a faster, so is, shorter is it like experience. The, is it like the thing they do with uh, NDMT when they, they mix that other chemical with it, the Harmala to turn it? to change the I, I, profile of it so that I, your body I don't understand it so basically way. what it is is that when you take apparently when you take the, the mushroom of the psilocybin when it goes into your gut the psilocybin t- converts to psilocin yep. and that's what that's what gives you the yep. effects yep. by adding the fresh lemon juice it, it makes it, it more it, available it starts the process of turning the psilocybin into psilocin so your body digests it faster so you're going to get a much quicker onset it's going to be um, hold quicker experience and end quicker. Oh, really? Up and down's faster. Yeah, but it's more intense. And a faster onset. Yeah, fascinating. I'm going to look into that. Yeah, so uh, that, that's really interesting. Fresh lemon juice, not the not the stuff out of bottles. And how did you find the interaction? Did it do anything? Yeah, yeah. So I just literally um, with my with my microdose, I just got pipette of lemon juice and just dropped it on top of the cap so it just soaked into the the material inside the capsule and then just swallowed the lot yeah and i definitely noticed a quicker onset i find to be honest that the onset for me is always fairly quick same i can feel it usually within 20 minutes 20 yeah but uh with with most things you know you you sort of get your your first sort of tweaks within you know about sort of 20 minutes half hour normally yeah i mean yeah like last night i did i also had those two chocolates so i did one chocolate and then the other one probably about two hours later, two, three hours later. And um, the second one I felt n- noticeably different within 10 minutes. It was, think, it was almost as I was eating it, I could feel it. And I was like, God, is it, is it going through my, <laughs> through my mouth? I was like, no, probably not. Yeah. Just convincing yourself. Um, but yeah, no, 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 the, the, the fairly rapid onset. Fairly Fascinating. Rapid. There's probably a lot of other stuff that, I've, that I haven't actually found out about. As I say, I'm... I've been in and out of, sort of mushrooms and psychedelics for years and I kind of dip in and out every now and then. And there's probably a lot more tech that I don't know about, to be honest with you, just because I haven't really researched it. Do you know what interests me, and we were talking about this the other day, is um, obviously extracting the psilocybin from the mushroom and have it mm. into liquid drops. Yeah, but that, that would be... Because I, I, what I find interesting about that is the fact that I could then use that in, in boiled sweets or in, or in jellies yeah. or in... Uh, or in chocolate, yeah. because the one thing with mushrooms is, you know, you have to, it's actually eating them. A lot of people can't actually handle the taste and swallow them and get them down. You know, we've done all sorts for my friends, made them like chocolate milkshakes or like packed shitloads of caps. I like the caps. Cap, caps yeah, is, caps, no, caps, caps is a great way of yeah, getting inside you. But like, I think if you can actually get rid of the fact that people have got a munch a load of really disgusting, bitter tasting mushroom, um, has got to be good. Um, yeah, I've, I've seen there is tech for, for making drops it's it's fairly simple tech as well i think i think it is fairly simple i don't i don't uh, i don't don't claim to understand it no me neither um but i uh i i think yeah it'd be uh, worth a worth an exploration yeah because i think you know so obviously i've been talking about microdosing for a while now and um a lot of people who've followed me have sort of gone off and gone and bought kits like lots actually <laughs> 
and um, yeah you tried buying any like they were bloody sold out <laughs> <laughs> your fault <laughs> my fault sorry <laughs> Uh, but the beautiful thing is, is then sort of hearing the feedback. Absolutely. So every single week now I'm getting people, you know, four weeks down from the, getting their kits and they're having their first, their first microdosing experience and, um, you know, with really, really great results. So it's just beautiful. I love just sharing the knowledge because, you know, why wouldn't you want to take something, you know, in a microdosing form that doesn't really affect your day? You can still go about your daily job, but just helps the day just just flow man well do you know what? it absolutely beats the shit out of uh, serotonin uptake uh, inhibitors because like as, as I said in the last podcast I mean they, they make you feel worse before you feel better and you can't just cold turkey come off them you've got to wean yourself off by reducing your, your milligram dosage you know anything like where you've got to wean you know where you've got to titrate down that's almost to me like an addictive substance of course because you're relying on it far too much yeah whereas with mushrooms you know if i if i run out hey how i've run out you know i don't suddenly go oh god damn like, you know it doesn't it doesn't kick off all of the old symptoms again in, in, but that's in my head but that's the interesting thing isn't it because yeah. um you know like i sort of said earlier i know people who've been on you know antidepressants for years and each review each time they go to the doctor it's just Oh yeah, we're gonna up your dose. Yeah, we're gonna every time, dose. like literally every single time. And um, you know, whenever they try and come off them, you know, it's it's the straight back into the dark spaces. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, with my experience, you know, I, I had, I had antidepressants when I was younger, when my first marriage went tits up, um, and yeah, they were they were they were awful. Like they just made you feel really crappy. Flatline. Just flatline, just yeah, yeah no, just, no emotion. You're no, not, you're no not, emotion. You're not happy. You're not sad. You don't feel horny. You don't feel yeah anything. You just, just feel just, like you're just like flatlining. Yeah, it's just it's just a horrible, horrible existence. Yeah, just a horrible existence. Mm. Um, which is, I mean, completely the opposite to how I feel. How I feel now, <laughs> where actually I've never felt more alive. <laughs> I've never experienced such a broad spectrum of emotions. Everything from absolute love to absolute pain. Mm. Um, yeah, I feel much more alive now, and uh, you know, so many, sadly, so many people do say that, don't they? they? They take these pills, and it literally just robs them of their soul. You would be well. I'm sure you wouldn't be surprised, but I mean, in, even in my old, you know, in, in the old industry I worked in, in hair and fashion, I mean, literally everybody I knew was on antidepressants. Like, you know, I'd see the girls open their handbags and like this sort of strips and strips of pills of fall out. And I'd be like, what are they? They'd be like, oh, nothing. And I'd be like, oh, yeah. and I'd say to them, you know, you, you never said that. That you were struggling, and like, oh no, I've been on these for years. It was like, well, what set that off? And I'll, you know, they'll tell me what it was, and I'll be like, all right, cool. So, haven't you spoken to the doctor about reducing the dose? And it's exactly what you said. Every time they go, they up, they double it. They up, they up the dose on them. They don't try and get them off them. They just they're just doubling the dose or giving them a stronger pill. Yeah, and you and you you're generally you're not fixing a thing. You're, you're not fixing a thing. You're not fixing anything. It's just it's just like plastering over cracks of a continuously, you know, moving building. It's. Mm. It, it, it's not fixing anything. No, and you know, I think this is why you know so many of us are really struggling now with mental health issues, is because we're not we're not looking at it at a holistic way. We, you know, we're st- we're still in this sort of Darwinian sort of medical mindset of that the human body is just like a machine, and so if something's broken, it's well, we've clearly run out of something, so mm. just top it up or cut mm. it out and fix it, mm. replace it. Mm. Whereas you know, it, it, there's much more of a sort of whole mind body connection and um 
you know, until until we start to really understand why we're feeling the way we do and what is causing our anxieties and depressions, which nine times out of ten will be past traumas that we haven't dealt with, we haven't yeah. we haven't we haven't worked through, we just suppressed, and we suppressed because they're painful and um, you know it's, it's easy it's easier to to sweep things aside than it is to confront them. And but we're not we're not encouraged. We're, you know, as a society, we're we're not encouraged to go towards pain. We're we're encouraged to avoid pain, and you know this is what happens with trauma: is that we go for a trauma. And it's just like watching a film. We stop it halfway and we bury half the trauma and the other half of the trauma is just out in the ether, it just mm. acts as triggers. Mm. So we've never finished the movie, so we don't know what happens. And you know, you just go through life and then you know, you just get triggered all the time mm. in reoccurring emotions. And that's because you just haven't dealt with your shit. Yeah, I'm seeing that a lot in quite a few people at the moment. Yeah, well you will because you know, I think you know, as more people start to, um, I don't like the term wake up, but become more conscious of their, their their mental health and their mind and the way they think and why they think the, the things that they do. Mm. People are going to be able to have a lot more control in their lives. Yeah. A lot of people I talk to and clients that I've worked with, you know, they they feel like they're in a, almost like a victim mode. They 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 don't they can't see the wood for the trees. They don't believe yeah. that they can create change. They 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 feel completely stuck, and that is just a stuck mindset. Yeah, I was, I was just going to say exactly the same. It's just a stuck mindset. Yeah. And, you know, that's something I've really learned that, you know, for years I'd feel sorry for myself. I'd be in victim mode. I'd blame. I would justify my actions and behaviors on other people and third parties. When in reality, it was all my shit. It was all my doing. And good or bad, right or wrong, if it was in my life, it was because I made choices. And, yeah. you know, if I didn't like those choices and I found myself in a shitty situation, then I have to put my hands up and go, you know what, dude? You created this situation. You, you created this reality and um, you know if you want to change it then you're going to have to address it yeah I think it's good you know as, as I said I think you know a, a lot of people are sort of realising this now and you know, you know actually kind of pausing the craziness and stepping aside from it and actually having a look at themselves and having a look at the situation that they're in and actually deciding they're going to do something about it mm. and it's good you know not as I say not necessarily just relying on standard pharmaceutical medicine um, but yeah exploring some other some other alternatives. But I think I, I I think that more and more people now are really moving away from the whole big pharma. I think a lot of people <clears throat> really don't trust it. They they, they recognise that you know these people in these industries do do absolutely take the piss. Um, you know, I think pretty much every single big major drug manufacturer has been caught lying and cheating over absolutely. the last sort of five years. Yeah. Um, I can't remember who it was. Was it Bayer or was it Pfizer who was fined? Oh, dude, all of them. Like three, yeah. three billion for yeah. falsifying evidence. I mean, they don't yeah. give a shit. They made three hundred yeah. billion probably from selling the drugs for the last. You see, you years. see, big farmers, big farmers, a funny one. My my partner works in big pharma. That's she right. Works, she works, I'm not going to say who she works for, but she works in big pharma. And as as cannabis users and having the associated mindset that we all have with big pharma everyone goes oh big pharma big pharma you know uh, are useless all they're interested in is making loads of money all they are is, is a big money making machine that's correct it's a business but you know everyone who says oh you know screw big pharma f them they're just doing this they're just doing that you know the thing is if ever you're really in trouble and you really are genuinely ill where you know no amount of no no amount of sort of holistic or alternative therapy will help you there are some things that 
you know, a lot of things that a big farmer will supply you with that will keep you alive, will keep your, your loved ones around you much longer. You know, I agree, as does my partner, that the way they go about um, a lot of their... A lot of their work isn't necessarily completely ethical with the way that they've kind of been caught out, um, kind of bribing doctors and, you know, just basically doing a lot of underhand business. And the amount of money which is actually spent, in my opinion, wasted um, on paying these doctors that have completely over overinflated um, uh, salaries, basically, I mean... It's obscene. I can't go into detail because it isn't my place to talk about. Uh, but I, I have quite an in-depth knowledge of, 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 of Big Pharma. And I think they do, I mean, no doubt they've all been caught with their pants down. All Every single big company at one at some point or other. But ethically, um, they can't behave in the way that they used to anymore. Just because they messed it up. And, you know, you, they're not even allowed to give away an extra cup of coffee now because of the whole compliance thing, because they, they were taking the mickey with doing all sorts of things. There were stories of doctors being helicoptered into um, casinos in Monte Carlo, being given, you know, the whole family's being given free branded laptops. Oh, I've... I've you know, I, disgusting. I, I've, got, I've got friends of mine who are doctors and I know that they, uh, they've, they've openly admitted to me um, that they get bungs. Mm, absolutely. They get, they get paybacks. And you know, you know get, et get, et they... ethically, I think that is very, very wrong. Um, but then, you know, on a on a completely kind of flip side, you know, when you think about um, how much money it actually costs for them to bring a product to market, it's a ridiculous amount of money in R&D. Um, for every, I don't know what the statistics are, but for every sort of um, five products that are brought to market, there are like another 10 that fail during the R&D um, you know, sort of stage, you know, where they'll think everything will be fine. They're just about to uh, launch uh, the new treatment or the new medicine and then like you know four or five people will have contraindications or pass away or or something terrible like that so i don't agree with a lot of it but it is necessary for people to have access to medicine you know big pharma you know it's necessary man it's oh, ne listen, no, it is necessary i listen I, I i completely agree with you you know i spent nearly 20 years in the medical industry yeah, and um you know i mean you you can't deny that you know, if you're involved in a car accident or something major, then you know, big pharma, you know, those 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 the drugs, the anesthetics, you know, all those sort of stuff is going to be hugely valuable to sort of keeping you alive. Mm. I think where where I have a problem is much more on the treatment of mental health and the use the of, 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 of of pharmaceuticals yep. because you know, mental health is much more complex than a, a physical ailment. Say, you know, you break your arm. Yeah, they put a, they put a know, cast, on, cast it. on it. And, you know, you've got to be on, you know, tramadol, painkillers for, you know, a month or something. Yeah, totally get that. The issue I really have is where you've got people with complex mental health issues who really need help. And all we're doing, we're just... We're just dumbing them down. We're just suppressing those feelings and we're throwing them back out into the environment mm. that ultimately probably created the depression. Yeah. And I feel as society, you know, and I always say this, you know, we are only as strong as our very, our, our most vulnerable. Yeah. And, um, you know, we should be radically rethinking how we treat community mental health because, you know, mental health brings down everybody you know, it affects it yes. affects everybody. Yeah, and because it, it's not just the individual; it's the knock-on effects and the, the ripples. Families and communities. Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, I I remember when I was younger, and you know, 
I wasn't in such a fortunate position as I am now, and I was living, uh, I was working, I was working in a really crappy, rundown nightclub. I was about eighteen, nineteen years old, and uh, no, no money Ritzy. at all. No money at all. I remember I was earning like eight hundred pounds a month, and um, choking away on your vape. That was that was uh, earning about like eight hundred quid a quid a month, working sort of sixty, seventy hours a week, living in this really crappy little bed sit and below me I had these um, Albanian drug dealers who were actually quite nice um, I was just always very polite to them and next door I had this this guy who these well, these two guys who both had severe mental health issues one of them was a very interesting guy very very bright uh, very successful but he started losing his eyesight um, for some reason so obviously he lost his job and you know his wife left wow. him and you know he was literally left by himself. Poor fella. So he had really complex mental health issues and used to drink and you know these two guys would just beat the living daylights out of each other every single night. You know huge fights and just you know really living in that sort of environment with that complex mental health is so draining and so so bad for me because I just I couldn't relax no, I, just, I literally couldn't relax you don't know if someone's going to come through the door or through the literally. wall or whatever do you? Yeah, oh, you got the, I've you lived got, in those environments you've got the Albanians downstairs where you're thinking and those guys would drink and party well you know. of course if they were selling stuff there's, there's a certain lifestyle that goes with that as well yeah. isn't there and um, you know and then these, these these two guys just beating seven shades of whatever out of each other every single night whilst they're drunk so you know, mental health. You know, it's 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 not just the person. It is you know, like you sort of say, it's this this it's it's everybody in the in the. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's as I said, it, it's the ripples that you know that that sort of expand out from that. You know, like you say, whether whether it be friends, family, neighbours, partners, loved ones, or whatever. It's you know, it's not just the individual. I think I think also when when you are depressed and you do uh, you do have those kind of issues and those kind of thoughts and feelings. You're being so self-indulgent that you don't really give a shit about anybody else's feelings or what else is going on because you're just doing, oh, you know, poor me. I, I, I feel, you know, I feel so down. That's how it was for me anyway. And you know that I'm much more aware of um, how my actions uh, affect my environment now, and I've been much more aware of that for years, having dealt with you know members of the family who've had severe depression, well, as severe and minor depression. I kind of watch been able to sit on the on the perimeters and actually watch what goes on and how much of an effect it has on their entire environment um i think yeah when you when you're in that space you you i just think you're being quite so i i again it gets me in trouble but i think it's quite self-indulgent and because you're feeling so low i don't think you really realize the the, the knock-on effects and the the effect that it is having on other people around you. No, I, you know, you're, I think you're blind. You're, 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 but you are blind because I, I'd argue that when you are in that absolute state of despair, it is all about you. It's like it's almost like being in a shell. Yeah, if that makes sense. Like, I think because you're trying to protect your because you're trying to protect yourself. Sorry, because you're trying to uh, protect yourself. I think. Um, I think you. Yeah, there there is almost like a shell of depression around you, and I think you're being so insular and so so much focusing on yourself and how and how bad you feel that it, I don't know. It's a, it's a funny one for me. No, I no. Don't, as, as I've said on countless occasions, I, I do find it very self-indulgent. I mean, d d depression is it is going to be self-indulgent because you are thinking about yourself, 
and 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 you're that low that, that that's sort of exacerbating all of those kind of feelings a lot more I think yeah but yeah I mean listen I, I I was the same when I was you know when I was drinking um you know I'd focus I'd focus the whole day around you know when I could get a drink so like on a Saturday which would be you know our family day you know we'd get up and you know by at least 12 o'clock I'd be like I, I need to have a drink because the noise in my head is just pissing the hell out of me and you know so my wife would be like oh well you know let's let's go shopping in town so you go to the shop and I'd be used the excuse and be like no too busy in here for me don't like it don't I like swear it I'll never beer I'll, I'll tell you what sweetheart I'll uh, I'll go and have a beer and you let me know when you're finished and you know I'll come and meet you and then you know you'd meet up and you'd be like oh you know hungry should we go for lunch you know lunch would be another couple of glasses of wine and then after lunch then you'd be on. like it just rolls on they'd be like oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry, should we cocktail cocktail should we go for a couple of cocktails yep 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 and you know and that was you know my wife always used to say to me you know you're, you're very selfish you know you always think about what you want to do and where you want to go and for a long period of time I was just like well I, I, I was completely delusional to it I didn't I didn't see it at all because in my mind's eye all I was trying to do is to keep myself on a level on a level yeah you know on a level where you know I felt happier as as you know more congruent mm. and you know more sociable mm. and, and you know but the problem was for me as I was never honest with her about how I was really feeling she'd recognize that I was anxious because that would display as a behavior you know yeah, I'd absolutely. be irritable uh-huh. or you know uptight you know just you know just being pain in the ass really to be honest with you um but it was always about me it was mm. completely about me and mm. um i i it, it took me a long time to realize that well it actually it, t- it took me it took me to go to italy to have that really really tough two weeks over there you know drinking the ayahuasca going really deep into all of my crap for me to go oh shit that, that's <laughs> that, that, that's how i make her feel yeah that's how I make her feel. I was like, "Fuck, that's that's but really that's really horrible." It's that whole, as I say, it's that whole environmental kind of spread that that happens with with depression. Yeah, but it's it's been really interesting. As I touched on in the last podcast, I've been drinking a lot less, a hell of a lot less. You have, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Um, How's that made you feel? To be fair, at first, absolutely no different at all. You did say that, and and to be honest with you, I don't feel massively different now. My head's a lot clearer. Um, I don't use it as an ex- I don't use it as an excuse to have a drink. You know, I, for some reason, I used to use drink as an excuse for me to relax, but it actually wasn't that. It was it probably similar to what you're saying. It was just something just to re- disassociate my my brain or the vo- or the noise in my head. Yeah, for a little bit. And when I got home from work, I, you know what it was? It was working that it was working that day job, and it was a stress from that day job. So all I wanted to do when I got home was be was to smash a martini, have a couple of beers half a bottle of wine or a bottle of wine whatever it was and you know that was that was kind of my it was the way I used to kind of rub out all of the stress of the day no I used to do the same I'd tell it'd be like because we all tell ourselves stories yeah so it'd be like you know I'd justify it oh well you know you've you've had a shit day mate yeah no but this is this is you deserve it this is the drink this is the drink right so what we do in the UK this is where the culture is so messed up so if if you if you've had a good day let's celebrate and have a drink if you've had a bad day Oh, I feel really shit. Let's have a drink. Literally, in the UK, we can, you know, we can use any excuse to open a bottle. Yeah. And I think because it's so much part of our culture. Oh, you know, 
I'm, I'm only a social drinker. Yeah, you're a social drinker, but when you're going out straight from work and you're having eight pints every night or five nights of the week, that ain't sociable. That's that's addiction. No, but I mean, but that's what I would that's what I would say. You know, when my wife would go, oh, you know, you, you drink a lot. You know, I think you're an alcoholic. I'd be like, that is just absurd. I, I, but you can how, be a functioning how, alcoholic. How can I be an alcoholic? Yeah. You know, I, I work every day. I'm, I'm functional, and in my mind's eye, you know, if you're functional and you're doing your shit, then you don't have a problem. Yeah, but yeah, but yeah, you know, but, you know, yeah, but you know, you could say that. You know, they're intra, they're functioning intravenous heroin. You know, users who who, who hold down the day job I, and I, do all of that, and and, and all sorts. So have I, yeah. and a couple of them are doctors. Yeah. So, no, I, <laughs> think I, about that. I, I, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know quite a few what your society would call serious high flyers who are a very, very high-functioning drug addict. Yeah, same. Uh, there were a couple of MPs yeah. who I used to help out. Yeah, let's not say any names. No, I'm not, oh, no way, man. Do you want to get into trouble? No. <laughs> Me? <laughs> trouble. No. no, but they, yeah, let's just say that there were a couple of people who were sort of, fa- who were sort of fairly well-known within within the government. Yeah, who were, who were very high-functioning. I think there's there, there, there still are a few of them in government. Well, I, I, I think 98% of them are, are, are probably all on the old whiskey wagon anyway so bless them bless them but it's, it, it's, it has it has been fascinating um, actually checking myself with all of my little foibles and habits and the way that I actually deal with the way I'm thinking and the way I'm feeling and, it's important and, though isn't it and just not relying on uh, on alcohol as a crutch for everything as I say, you know, you feel good. Let's go and celebrate. Let's have a bottle of champagne. You feel bad. Oh, let's have a couple of gins. Any flipping excuse. Go to the rugby. Oh, let's get pissed and have a couple of beers. You, you know, you go to the, you go to the, yeah, a couple of lagers before you go. And it's just our culture. You know, you don't just go out for dinner. You're expected to have, you know, if you go to a restaurant and you don't order alcohol, you get a look from them because that's where they make all their money. Wait, I mean, this is this is this is this is my life now because. Um you know, I, I, I go into places and actually what, what what's annoyed me more recently is actually going to a few places in London and uh, asking for non-alcoholic options. And they're like, oh, we don't have any. Yeah. And you're like, yeah. really? Yeah. Really? You're missing a trick there because this, this, this alcohol-free wave is only going to grow. Mm. And uh, again, I think, again, it's people waking up and realising this stuff, you know, because, you know, we could all, you know, name or pick at least one person we know who has a real real problem with drink that we've encountered in our lives and it's not pleasant for you know for the people who are involved and i think and i think you know there's so many of us that have family or loved ones or friends who have you know who really heavily rely on alcohol yeah my or, my, my grand my, my mm. grandparents both sets um were both yeah. alcoholics yeah my and my great grandparents yeah same same with my with my, my grandparents on, on my mum's side my nan was a was a horrible drunk when she used to drink a lot and same, same as my granddad yeah my 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 mum's mum. I always remember, as a child, she would whenever she would come to stay, which quite often she would say she was coming to stay, and then she wouldn't. So I always remember she'd just constantly let you down. But then she would. Mm. I remember literally as a child, sort of watching her screaming at my mum because she was completely pissed on brandy, and then jumping her car and literally just wheel spinning down the drive, throwing gravel everywhere. And the ironic thing was, what I always found weird with this with this woman. Uh, was that she was a, a born again Christian, so she'd be constantly battling on about <laughs> Christianity and God's work and all of this. I'm just like, Grant, you you can't function without smashing a bottle of cooking brandy. 
You know, I'd come, I remember literally one year when my mum was getting married. Oh, the quality stuff then, right? Oh, Jesus. Literally coming down in the morning, 5.30, and Gran's there in the cooking cupboard, making a cup of tea, pouring the cooking brandy into the, the tea. It and did tea. Like, oh. Like, I was like, Gran, you know, we've got better brandy in the house. <laughs> but she would drink... It's anything, though. But she'd drink the cooking brandy because she'd be like, well, no one's going to notice the cooking brandy's gone. Mm. But it was, yeah, it was literally... It was anything. She doesn't drink... She doesn't drink now. Do you reckon it was unhappiness? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I know that's what it was, but I mean, I think my... But it is. It yeah. is. No, you know, no, no, I agree. I, I would say there is, there is no one in this world who is an alcoholic or a drug addict who is happy, content, and feels blissful in their lives. Because yeah. I, wasn't, I wasn't drinking lots, yeah. you know, because I was happy, content, and everything in my world was perfect. I was drinking because I suffer from anxiety, yeah. depression, other mental health issues, lack of confidence, all of this sort of stuff, and you know, having this toxic, you know, vortex it's of the dialogue. It's the internal yeah. dialogue telling the, you it's the, all wrong. All of these voices just going ahead constantly. This constant war in your head, yeah. and this war started in my head when I was a young child. But yeah. I remember, and it was interesting doing the sort of ayahuasca therapy, sort of tracing back to where where I started, where I first started a relationship with alcohol. And I remember, I, I worked it out. I was about eight years old and we'd gone to a family wedding. I think it was my great-grandmother getting married again. She got married late. She's an amazing lady. She went on to like nearly 100 years old. Awesome. And um, I was always very, very anxious as a, as, a, as a child. And I was very anxious at, you know, in big crowds, so big, a big family wedding who I really didn't know many people. You know, I was anxious. And I remember having, going around the tables and sipping... Surfing. The sherry, right? And I got completely pissed, completely pissed. But what I realised in that moment of being completely pissed as an eight-year-old was that I no longer felt anxious. And it really was as early as that. And as, as, as embarrassed as I am to say that, at eight years old, which is, I mean, I'd be mortified if my eight-year-old did that. You know, but I recognise that it stopped the anxiety. Mm. And then, you know, another sort of, you know, five years later, you know, when I'm 14, that's when I started drinking, mm. you know, <clears throat> more regularly. Because, you know, I grew up in the countryside, mm. you know, you go out to like young farmers sort of stuff. Yeah. And, and but, you know, it'd be pints of cider, yeah. 14 years old, well, no well, worries at all. Well, so, so my, as I say, with my, uh, with my grandmother and grandfather, my, uh, my granddad was uh, hugely successful in, in advertising, had a, world, uh, had a worldwide, um, uh, you know, succession of, of offices and business, worked with really, really high profile clients like Schweppes and Hoover and all these people. But part of all of his, uh, all of his shenanigans. He he loved his wine, and he was a uh, he was a Chevalier de Sassafras, which uh, they're basically uh, part of the French wine tasting guild. He he kind of specialised in in the Bourgogne, the Burgundy region. So from being a child, from being four or five, if there was a big family dinner, you know, we we had a huge extended family. Uh, they had they had eight children. Um, so my, you know, my mum is one of eight. Um, we'd have sort of twenty people around for a Sunday lunch, and the wine would just be flowing, and because. Uh, he spoke fluent French, spent, the, spent a hell of a lot of time in France. Um, we would have maybe eight or ten bottles of wine with dinner. So from the age of four, I had a small carafe of water and a small carafe of wine. And I would have the pairing of the wine that went with the meal or, or whatever he was, he was sort of bringing out from the cellar. 
so from that age i guess from in my younger years my alcohol consumption was sort of very i was always i was always allowed a drink but i never really used to have one because i didn't really like it and it was only when i was in my 20s really that i got into drinking because um when i was younger i, I saw all of my relatives getting bladdered and they all behaved like tossers and i was just like oh that's not me and so i i, I really sort of until my 20s and I was more involved in the whole sort of schmoozy fashion thing. I was never really, I was never really into drinking. It just, it just wasn't my bag because it, in my eyes, it made people behave like bellends. And I just, you know, that's all I saw from it. I didn't really see why people did it because all it made, all, all the outcome was was that it just made them look like fools. They either end, end up in floods of tears or, or making asses of themselves. So it's interesting because um, <clears throat> that's one thing I've really noticed now. Being oh, non- being straight. I know. Being, being a non-drinker and, you know, basically when I go out, I'm just completely sober. And um, I was I was on the tube the other day coming back from, um, I think it was my younger brother's birthday, and Central Line at about midnight. And I just, I couldn't believe how drunk people were and the way they were behaving and, you know, there was this... It was, hideous, it was it? yeah, it was it was awful though. I mean, there was this group of girls who were, comp- I mean, absolutely wasted. And I, I actually thought, you know, I mean, incredibly vulnerable. In fact, incredibly vulnerable. And you know, they were making a right display of themselves on the oh. on, on the tube. And you can just see the lechy men who were yeah, also I know, drunk. I know, horrible. And then you know, and then there was a fight. There was a, there was a ridiculous fight because this lady, this guy had leant back. On a, this lady's hand, she was holding the central rail, oh, right? right? And he'd, he'd broken her grip. He'd literally just lent on her hand, so she she was just very politely just went, "Oh, ouch!" You know, my hand. Mm-hmm. And this guy took such offence to it. I mean, he was completely off his face, not just on alcohol. I mean, his he, his his eyes were like saucers, and he was so aggressive. I mean, he literally just turned and just. Fire went absolutely mental at this woman calling it I mean I'm not even I can't no, even, I'm not no, even going to repeat no, it because no. I'll get banned from you, you know, YouTube or iTunes <laughs> but it was just an absolute barrage of just vile toxic crap coming out of this guy and he was so intimidating and such a bully to this woman you know I was just horrified and I just sort of stepped in I was just like yeah what, te- what has she done to deserve this and you know he was screaming and shouting at me, and you know I tried. You know, I was conscious because I mean him and his mate, those two of them, and they're, they're both pretty big guys, and they were so off their face. You're like, Jesus! Even if you did get a punch in their nose, they're not going to feel it anywhere. They're going to be like invincible. And he was just, he was just absolutely vile, vile, like kicking the tube, really intimidating behaviour. Do you know what it reminded me of? I feel like a five year old. No, no, no. It reminded me of a. Threatened chimpanzee, you know, when they're <laughs> and they do all that on the yeah, bus, shaking the trees and picking things up and throwing rocks, and it's yeah. all this noise and yeah. bluster, yeah, banging his chest. I was just like, "Yes, such a tit." But again, you know, absolutely wasted on on alcohol. It's scary, man. Isn't it? It's really scary. Yeah. Um, again, um, even even now, if I if I'm out late in town, I'm so aware of a, of that now, you know, because. I, I, I do still have an odd drink, but I, I'm enjoying it less and less. And I think just having my eyes open to it a little bit more, and not being sort of in a in a bit of an alcoholic sort of days myself, you just you, you can open your eyes a little bit more and see it a bit more. Yeah, I really see it. I tell you something that I do want to discuss with you, and this is something that um, has been going through my mind now for 
uh, probably about two or three months, is um, I'm actually considering giving up cannabis. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. And I'll tell you why. Um, I'm actually not finding it's doing anything for me now. Weirdly. Fascinating. Like, weirdly. It's, um, I've been thinking about it more and more, literally over the last, last sort of eight weeks, when I've sort of just been sort of vaping away and just mm. realising. Actually, I feel it almost lowers my vibration now. It probably does. And uh, so, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm very, very close to, uh, to packing it in. That's interesting. Except for maybe when I'm, um, you know, working with plant medicines as well. Mm. I find that when I'm with the mushrooms... I find you know when you're peaking on mushrooms, mm. you have a nice vape. Ooh, yeah, is 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 fun, but it's relaxing. Isn't yeah, it? again, it's it's a good opener, I guess. But day to day, day to day, it it literally does nothing for me, and I'm realizing it's just it's literally just the habit of having the vape in my hand and just inhaling something. It's the it's the hand to mouth thing, or having something to suck on, or whatever you know. It's it one. is, yeah. but now I've just replaced it with CBD. Yeah, see, actually, I've I've been experimenting more with CBD. It's very good. Yeah, because I get I still get the sort of vape. And, and you, mouth, yeah, you get I, the, you, I enjoy. You, you get the sensation that's inhaling something. It's, it's like when you know when I when I when I gave up uh, cigarettes, the first little bit, it was really 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 difficult. Smoked way too much weed just to try and sort of compensate for the fact that I wasn't getting the, the nicotine hit. But um, sort of twenty years down the line, having stopped fags, um, I don't really smoke much weed anymore. I'll have the odd joint now and then that I don't really enjoy because it tastes horrible to me now. But uh, yeah, I've, I vape. I have one of these carts which lasts me months, about a month. Yeah, I think the, <clears throat> the carts for me have always been a really um, great way. But it's actually really nice not stinking of weed the whole time. And like you were saying with uh, with the alcohol thing a moment ago, where you just look for uh, you look for an excuse where you could get the opportunity to go and have a drink. Well, I used to be like that with weed, and I'd look for excuses or opportunities where I could bugger off from whatever I was doing to go and get high, and then come you know, you know sneak back in again. But I was, I was talking to my pal Dennis about this from when we were kids and like what our families must have thought because sort of every every half hour or hour we'd sort of bugger off somewhere, you know, for 15 minutes, come back red-eyed and stinking and, you know, like pretending like nothing was going on and no one noticed. But, like, I mean, Christ knows what, what people must have been thinking. I mean, you know, even myself, I mean, I, I used to smoke way too much weed. I was, God knows what people thought. God knows what people thought. It's an interesting one. I mean, I've I've often thought that because, um, you know, I can I can my sense of smell has a, has improved massively over the last few months. And um, obviously, living in central London, you, I, I smell weed. Smell weed everywhere. And yeah, it's 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 you know, it's the smell of it on you when you smoked it, and then you sort of think to yourself, yeah, no, no one can tell. I remember when I was younger, and. Um, I'm not saying that this is appropriate and I'm certainly not condoning this as a behaviour, just to be completely clear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I was, this was 20 years ago when I was mm. much younger, um, not as wise. But where I worked, because it was a really, really stressful job, at lunchtime, pretty much 90% of the staff would, would have a joint. Yeah. And I remember, like, in my early 20s, sort of going back into work and just feeling completely baked completely paranoid mm. and then you, you, you sort of try and work out what sort of job you can do yep. to sort of keep you away from yeah. any sort of management yeah. and you convince yourself that no one no one could tell that mm. your eyes were glassy mm. and you, you, you stank of yeah. you stank of hash 
it, it, it was really funny, you know, <laughs> working with, you know, with people in a really, you know, sort of close environment. I think there's only so much kind of cologne or Fabrice you can spray on your jacket before people realise that you're just... It's a sort of constant sucking of mints. Yeah. <laughs> so now you've just got a weedy mint smell. But, but, but what, I, what I found so funny was that like a few, a few of my clients from back then when I was just smoking, you know, just, you know, we'd find excuses to go out between customers and, you know... We used to have an ashtray on the roof where there'd just be a joint in it all the time where we'd all, we'd all roll joints and then we'd just go up, smoke half a joint and leave it in the ashtray and they'd say, oh, you know, between clients, go up on the roof, have an espresso, half a joint, back downstairs. And then I'm working literally within someone's personal space and I must have just flipping stank of weed. But down the line, I said to clients, oh, you know, you know, I, I, I was high all the time when I was cutting your hair and they're like, no. I'm like, yeah, I was baked the whole time. They're like, Really? We didn't know, but like, because I was so high functioning, I mean, I couldn't smoke or, or ingest anywhere near the amount of cannabis that I used to then. And you know, I'm, I'm not saying it's a good thing; it, was com- it completely wasn't a good thing because it's you know, it's just masking and hiding other stuff, you know, unhappiness and that. But um, I think you kind of convince yourself that no one knows and no one can smell it and no one see, you know, no, no one, no one sees or realizes or has any sort of inkling of what's going on. And it's rubbish. I, I, I literally must have walked around stinking like a Dutch coffee shop for about 20 years mm. um, and it's really interesting bumping into people from back in those days like their only recollection of me was having really good weed they couldn't tell you anything else about me because nine times out of ten they wouldn't have any and they'd know that I'll be a good source for them and you know because they were all busy getting pissed or whatever and if they wanted a joint they could always come to me for a joint but that's all they remember about me is I always had good weed that's all they remember so, you know all, all, all of the amazing things I did within my career and all of the you know all of the other positive attributes the only thing they remember about me is that I had good weed fuck that <laughs> it really pissed me off actually it really pissed me off I was like damn is that all you remember is that I had good weed it's like well yeah sorry mate we don't we don't remember anything about your dad's yeah. personality no 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 you just always had good weed I was like oh fuck that like <laughs> excuse my language it's, it's, yeah it's like sometimes for me in the past you sort of find yourself being invited to uh, parties um, because uh, yeah. yeah, oh, oh Boone, Boone will have something, something yeah. enjoyable. I never know. I told you about that one recently. So the, the, a load of my friends had a night, and uh, well, I say friends, I hold this loosely, but none of them bothered taking any of their own um, cannabis with them because they just assumed that I was going to be there and supply everybody as I, as I normally did because I always used to have plenty. Uh, it's not the case these days at all, um, and because they were all relying on me to 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 take cannabis along for them to enjoy. They didn't bother getting any. And then, for one reason or other, I didn't bother going because I had a feeling that was going to be the scenario. No one smoked the whole weekend. And which, I, which again, I just found hilarious. It's just, you know... Yeah. It's just interesting. There's a lot of... Um, what's the word? Sort expectation. Of expectation entitlement. Yeah. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Lots of, that. lots of entitlement. A quick question, <laughs> which... Um, I chuckled away with yesterday talking about um, sweets was that someone wanted to know if you can make bacon flavoured sweets <laughs> I've seen someone's doing medicated bacon I've seen the, yeah I've seen the medicated medicated bacon yeah um, yeah the monkeys were doing it or something I think someone was doing some here I don't I, I may, it may have only been a short run I don't know but, um, but how do you do medicated bacon do you like cook the bacon and then medicate it so then you bind it like crispy bacon yeah I think it. <laughs> I think they probably weird. cook it and then they either glaze it and cook it or cook it then glaze it with something afterwards that's the only way I could think you could do it you'd have to so glaze yeah. it afterwards yes, surely because yes, the heat would destroy yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so you could um, I would probably do something with maple syrup 
and honey or something like that and infuse the maple syrup and then just put that on because you can kind of guess the dosage then a little bit but it'd be pretty hit and miss do you know what i could probably buy i mean it's disgusting the well, thought well well you don't know do you well no i actually i do i've, I've experimented i've experimented with well it's the whole american tradition isn't it they have pancakes yeah uh bacon and maple syrup yeah so if you've ever eaten that the interaction between the salt and the sweet is actually quite it works really good well. yeah but to actually make sweets that taste like that, I don't know if it would be my bag. I could probably buy bacon flavour something that I could do it with. But it's not really on my... Obviously, someone likes their pork, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think, I think, I think this guy um, wrote a list of questions, but the, the number one, the most important one to ask was, can you make bacon flavoured sweets? The answer is probably yes. And I probably could find the stuff I need to do it, but it's not on my agenda, yeah. I have to say. Um... <laughs> Uh, what's the most weirdest flavour you've, you, you've done do you think weirdest um, gin and tonic gin and chronic as I called it gin at the time they, there was only one it was a one off I didn't, wasn't really sure how it was going to go down with, uh, with the audience because it's you know a lot of cannabis users are quite anti-alcohol um, but I, lo- I love a gin and tonic or used to love a gin and tonic much more than I do now and I've always quite been quite interested in the botanicals and the infusions that they use in gin um, and from a flavour p- perspective, it was quite good. So, um, yeah, I did the gin and tonic and with like a, a little bit of lime as, as the twist. And they were really good. I, I get weird I get weird requests for flavour combos all the time. The bacon was a, was a new one, though, I've got to say. <laughs> <laughs> I probably could do it. I, I'm gonna, just for the sake of argument, I'm going to have a look and see if, I, see if I can find something to do. It well, with. might as well. Might as well. Yeah, I mean, it'd be, uh, it'd, be, it'd be fun. I'd be, I'd be interested in trying a bacon... I, I could probably make, I could do like we could do like some if we got some nice dry cured bacon we could probably do like some rashes or something like that no problem but actually flavored stuff I don't know you can buy you can buy everything now so yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm sure everything. I'm sure you could buy a crispy bacon flavored additive maybe you could find a crispy bacon with like an egg and like a maple syrupy waffly kind of sort of combo that'd be good it just sounds horrible though. <laughs> I don't know if I want a bacon flavored sweetie. I'm intrigued though. I'm intrigued. I'm, I'm with my with this new mindset I have. I'm I'm very much in don't say no to anything until I've tried it. <laughs> Not until you've tried it. Yeah, literally. Um, literally because it, I, so my 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 issue with, so my issue with bacon is the fat, and I think the only way that you're gonna they're gonna have to carry that sort of fatty flavor over somehow. And that's, that's the bit true. that I don't like, is the, is the fatty bit of pork, like the, the, the cook-off of pork or the fat on pork's horrible, in my opinion, is horrible. Oh, crispy bacon. Crispy bacon's good like that, but like the actual stuff that comes out of it is horrible, or like the fat that comes out of pork is horrible. But yeah, but cook, cook well, it's beautiful. Crackling, I mean, come on. Oh, I love crackling. Yeah. I love crackling. So it, it's, I don't know, I don't know. I'll, I'll look into it. We won't give it. We won't give it too much thought. No, it's not that important. <laughs> but if you ever do, uh, I, w- I will have a look into it and I'll publish the results. Put it that way. Yeah. Okay. That, that, that. And see, see if I can. And then maybe if someone else wants to run with it, I'll I'll show them where you can buy the stuff. But it, it's not something which I can see being particularly commercially viable. But it's an interesting thought. There's lots of flavour combos I've thought of. But yeah, it's it's an interesting thought, no doubt. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a commercially a vi- a, a viable. Sort of no. one. I don't think there's going to be a mass market of. Can we have some of the Penchan bacon, bacon sweeties? No. 
CBD Sin- sweets. Seeing as everyone's going kind of vegan these days, I don't think like the, the kind of pork side of things is probably not really. Isn't it interesting <clears throat> though um, how this um, how the veganism movement really is growing? Yeah. But also, even if people aren't vegan now, how it seems to be a lot of people are really sort of cutting down on their meat intakes mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, there are ways of this, and I've seen it since the since the eighties. Really, um, it kind of goes in and in and out of fashion. They're going to hate that that I've said fashion, but it is a bit of a fashion. It's quite. You know, do you think? Do you think that's what it is? Is a bit of a a little a, a, bit, a, a yeah, but, but but a little. There's a little bit of that, and it but is isn't quite that how cool. you? Isn't that how you sort of get create things to be popular? No, though, absolutely. It's, it's sort it's of about, you know, make yeah. it fashion on trend. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's marketing, really, isn't it? There's nothing wrong with you know. Um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, I've I've done the old veggie thing. Because um, you were you're a vegetarian for a while, weren't you? Yeah, a long time. Twelve about twelve years. I just didn't think, mate. Until I offered him a, a pork scratching in a pub one day. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. That didn't break me. That didn't break me, man. It was bacon sandwiches that did me actually the See? first time round. Smell of the smell of smell of crispy bacon cooking. I went out and bought some bacon and some white bread and just. Do you know what though? Do you know what though? That that's it's it's the crispy bacon sandwich which gets most of my Jewish friends. Yeah. Oh, listen, I have I've a lot of friends from the Middle East and they all have a bit of bacon hidden at the back of the freezer that comes out when they know no one else is coming around. Honestly, like... Oh, yeah, yeah. Honestly. And, yeah, lots of people from lots of different backgrounds who technically shouldn't be eating bacon. So, over Christmas dinner, now, I don't, I, I don't put restrictions on myself anymore. If I fancy something, now I eat it. I try and be conscious about not, having, not eating too much meat or not eating the wrong kinds of things. But at Christmas, we don't really have a huge chunk of meat we make a um a feature of all the other odds and sods you know all the trimmings and the bits and bobs which is what i like but we always have they have pigs in blankets oh, I love you know, pigs in yeah blankets. exactly you know sausages wrapped up in bacon for anyone who doesn't know what that is quite well done so it's all crispy and nice and uh often for christmas dinner or around the christmas period we have our friends over who are like vegan or vegetarian or whatever and i can just sit there and just watch them fall one by one by one by one when they see that when they see like the pigs in blankets come out and they're like Oh, they look really good. I'm like, do you want one? They're like, no. I'm really not going to have one. It's like, all right, then. Well, if you want one, there's a couple there on the plate. Oh, no, I'm not going to eat it. Ten minutes in, like, they've had, they've had four. <laughs> like, you can't tell anyone. It's like, oh, no, your secret's safe with me until now. <laughs> but this, isn't this the funny thing is that, you know, how we tell ourselves these stories, right? right I am vegan, so I can't do it's this. Restricti- it's restrictive behaviour. Yeah. Um, which, you know, in some cases it's good. If it's stopping you doing something which is negative, it's really good. But I think we all put too many restrictions on ourselves and on other people who we think we can control we definitely put too much restrictions on other people and it's none of our bloody business you know i mean it's it's crazy how we we judge how we judge others i Mm. i I used to do it all the time and and you know what I, i i still do judge people i'm much more conscious of when i'm judging people and what i've learned is actually when i'm judging people i'm ultimately judging myself Mm. judging myself for it Mm. I guess, or yeah, I guess yeah. It's reflection. It is reflection. Yeah. It's like that post I put up the other day, and it's interesting. You get you always get a good response when I sort of basically you said along the lines of you know it, it's it's not other people or situations that piss you off. It's it's it's, it's you. You piss yourself off. It's, it's your reaction to the situation. Well, it's your thoughts. It's yeah. your it's your interpretation of a situation that pisses you off. And, you know, instantly you get people, you know, the ego comes up and goes, whoa, whoa, no, 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 this guy did this at me from, to me the other day at work and, you know, he really pissed me off. I'm like, well, he, the guy did something to you, but you chose to get really pissed off. Um, you know, and it, for me, just becoming more aware of my thought processes, I've just found it, it really, really freeing. 
um, yeah, much much more freeing. Yeah, so being able to sidestep the uh, knee-jerk reaction to situations and just being able to sidestep yourself a little bit and just go, hang on a minute, why, but, am, but I, recognize, why am I feeling this? Yeah, but recognising and creating a relationship with your ego. Um, for a long time, I always thought the ego was something really, really negative. Mm. Um, whereas now I, d- I don't believe it's negative at all. It's you know it's it's your best friend that's your worst enemy, you, and you've got to you've, yeah. you've got to be able to create it's a relationship. That, with yeah, it. it's like it's the whole thing with mental health and internal dialogue and all of this thing with people with multiple personalities and all that. Now I think I think you know um, internal dialogue is really really important because it is almost like our own sanity check or our own constant um, you know monologue that's running through our lives. But it just depends. You know, because you know, there are times when it's really, really good, and that will give you really positive, um, really positive, really good uh, thoughts and affirmations about how you're feeling or the people you're meeting. There's other times when it will, um, it will just give you a little kick and uh, warn you about something or somebody, or you know, like your 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 natural instinct. You know, but a lot of the time, the all the internal dialogue does is. Um, reaffirm all of your insecurities and all of those things that you that you question about yourself or that you're not happy about in your day-to-day life and it's really important to like you say if you if you want to call your ego your internal dialogue or or your your outward expression of 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 who you are i think like you say it's really important to have a, a relationship with that but to be able to filter the stuff that is going on in your internal dialogue so that you can cut out the crap and it's not just a, a negative onslaught of you know all of the stuff that we all hear, you know, it's not, it's not just, no, it's not, not just me or you. I think everybody gets that to a degree. Well, guys, thank you for listening to the first part of our Penchan podcast. And we're going to pause it there just to give you guys a rest. Uh, the second part of this podcast will be available straight away. So don't panic. You'll be able to go straight forward and listen to the second part. I'd like to take this opportunity to give our sponsors, Kaneko, a beautiful shout out. And uh, I'd like to re-mention that Product Earth is coming back uh, to the UK this year. So that's super, super exciting. So that's the UK's largest pro canna sort of festival and expo. Uh, so that is happening, I believe, towards the end of the summer, I think end of August. But uh, I will get that all firmed up because we do have James Walton, who is the organizer of the awesome show, um, coming in to talk to us in the next couple of weeks. So without further ado, thank you for listening and uh, we'll catch up soon.